tell me when you're ready. Are you done talking? Okay. Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. It's the road to war for the Planet of the Apes. Join us as we argue and celebrate our way to the rebooted Planet of the Apes trilogy finale. This week's episode is the grand finale, War for the Planet of the Apes. Along the way, there will be spoilers for War for the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Logan, and the original 1968 Planet of the Apes. Do you remember back when we did our episode on our favorite movies of 2016? Patrick had this swell idea to end the episode by everyone going around the room and saying what they were most excited for in 2017. It was a good idea. In fact, before we recorded this episode, I went back and I listened to the end of that episode to see what everyone said. Because as I recall, several people had cited War for the Planet of the Apes as their most anticipated movie of 2017. Um, and I noticed that uh, Bethany was so pessimistic about 2017 that she said she didn't have any hopes for anything. Oh, she had Bethany. been so <laughs> bummed by 2016. And? Um, but the uh, reason I bring this up is because now we have seen that movie that some of the people in the room cited as their most anticipated movie of 2017. So after revisiting Rise of the Planet of the Apes and then Dawn of the Planet of the Apes on the show, we all went out and saw War for the Planet of the Apes. Patrick's on the show. I'm here. Patrick, yeah. what is your uh, brief review? What do you think? Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I think um, I need more days to think about it because it was not what I expected, you see. But I would give it a very positive review, but still I'm processing it as we speak. Interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of an answer, I guess. <laughs> Abby, you're on the show. I'm here. What do you think about War for the Planet of the Apes? Even even as our resident um, casual moviegoer, you actually like the Planet of the Apes franchise, the prequel franchise. I do. So what do you think? Um, I liked it a lot. In fact, probably, definitely the best of the three. Probably, definitely. Probably, slash, slash it out, definitely. That's what I meant by that. Oh, I see. (laughs) Right. Not slash like either or, but like you actually. Slashed it out. Strike through. Strike through. Strike, Right. Yeah. Mm, Okay. It's bold. That's a bold review. I feel like it was deeper and more emotional than the other three. Okay. More apes tearing up. Here's Tyler with a counterpoint. You know that, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know that great scene in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes where they're, they're all charging the, the human stronghold and the turret on that tank is spinning around and all the apes are fighting the humans waving guns in the air. It was all out war. A lot, a lot of explosions. I wish, I wish this movie was that. You know, <laughs> that that was a better. That was more war than we got in this movie. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this should have been like <laughs> humans, humans warring, and then there's some apes too. <laughs> that should have been the title. Yeah. Well, humans war doesn't always mean like front line shooting. Yeah, you're right. It's true. Front War line. is very like political <laughs> shooting, but we just got two political movies. We're now we're supposed to have a war movie, and we just got a prisoner of war movie. But you did say war, though. That's true. Prisoner of war for the planet. There was very little fighting. There was way more fighting in Dawn than in War. That's fair, or at least it seems like it based on my first impression. Yeah, Bethany, what did you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I thought it was more emotional, which I liked. I don't think it's my favorite one. Um, but I like the addition of some new characters. In particular, the comedic... The bad ape. Chimp. (laughs) She was laughing so hard at... I thought we were watching a Sasha Baron Cohen movie <laughs> or something. She's just rolling. <laughs> it was funny. There was a few funny, really strong, funny moments. It was funny. Though he's a little bit odd to put in the mix. Yeah. I, I Comedic relief felt out of place a little. Yeah. 
But I did like the I did like the movie, but it I I think I'm with Patrick a little bit. I think it's not my favorite one. Um and I can I are we doing we're just spoiling everything? Yeah, go ahead. I felt really sad that Caesar died. I really wanted him to live just long enough for us to see him train his son to do something in the next one. So I felt kind of annoyed about that. But the orangutan said, I'll tell your son everything. I know, but it just didn't feel sufficient. And it felt like we were doing a lot of like, oh, we're almost, uh, no, we're not there yet. We're, uh, we're not. Uh, right. So it felt, I felt a lot of the emotional, <laughs> almost peaking, but not. <laughs> you mean with the like the dovetail of climaxes? And yeah. The well, it's not even, yeah. we, I felt the same way during the movie. It's not so much that the, it's not so much the climax at the end. It's that there's a lot of like emotional swells throughout the film where Caesar looks angrily into the distance and the music gets really intense and then, oh, nothing happens. Well, like, I don't know that nothing happens. What you're just describing is something happening. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of drama with little reward, little little. I wouldn't say little reward. Oh, okay. I, I would say. say <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> I think I would say. Um, I don't, I can't tell if it was like so many. It was just like this. It felt like a longer story. So then I was trying to track on multiple levels, and then I feel this like emotional climax at one point, and then switch gears and I'd be like wait and then climb yeah it seemed like the story took a million turns yeah or something took like a that lot, like we're around a lot of corners so I was like yeah whoop another corner well and I I think I liked that but I also felt like the trouble is is that you don't know how to feel yeah I'm usually pretty strong on how I feel mm. what'd you think Josh <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks and that's all is that um, it that's that working here for me tonight no, that's Patrick just cut me off. So. Oh, 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 come on, Patrick. It's true. Do you guys want to talk about this? No, I want to hear what you think. Right now? I think that it's about really should I'd be, they should air their grievances. Yeah, I'd like it worked out before we get to my opinions. I feel better about you that. You did just cut me off, right? Because you thought what I was saying was dumb or something? Oh. <laughs> no, I was just really? I was just wanting to hear what Josh thought okay. more than what you were saying. So More said. than what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Josh, what do you think of the movie? <laughs> I'm just really flattered that my opinions are so desirable over and against yours, I guess. Strongly, apparently. <laughs> um, I really loved it. I loved it a lot. I was very uh, um, emotionally affected by the movie, and I really appreciate that it was very sl- uh, slow. Is a, sounds like a negative word, but it was very deliberate with the, its pacing. Um, it didn't sort of, you know, h- hammer you over the head with a million action beats from start to finish, even though it was like a, it was a big blockbuster action epic kind of thing. But I kind of thought of something that Tyler said about Logan during our Logan podcast, which was that uh, he was struck by the fact that this big superhero franchise movie was pacing itself like an indie movie. Um, where there's a, just a tremendous amount of time spent with Logan looking at himself in a mirror or grimacing or um, long s- scenic shots and character development based around dialogue rather than action sequences. And it seems like um, Matt Reeves, the director of the last two uh, Planet of the Apes movies, uh, has a lot of that in him where he is able to pull off these big summer blockbuster feeling movies with Dawn and now with War, but they pace themselves like art house movies or, or they, um, you know, they there's all this visual spectacle that comes from stuff blowing up, but there's also all this visual spectacle that comes from like, you know, horseback riding on the beach yeah. or, you know, uh, the shots of snow and moonlight, uh, so I appreciated that. I, d- I did feel a little bit of what you guys are saying, that like it wasn't exactly what I expected. I don't know exactly what I did expect because I hadn't seen a trailer or, or anything really other than you know a poster out of my peripheral vision and an occasional thumbnail on the Internet. But I guess I did anticipate that it would be like a balls-to-the-wall war movie, and it's, it's certainly not that. In fact, Tyler's accurate description is it's more like a POW movie, if anything. Yeah, I think that uh, I didn't expect it because I didn't see the trailers either, either, but my expectations were based on the first two. 
which followed a pretty standard format of storytelling. You get peppered action sequences and then it erupts into this really cool ending. Both of them have really great climactic action packed endings, especially Dawn has just like what Tyler was saying earlier, that awesome war scene. This one, it was such a different paced movie that uh, it threw me off that we did, we weren't getting that. And I kept kind of expecting it to happen because it looked so cool you know, and you were so emotionally invested in them. And then when they didn't really fight at the end, it just, it was one big explosion and then one big avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that was pretty action-packed. It was them just trying to stay out of the way. Yeah. So they didn't really war that much no. physically. But I guess Abby's right, war it doesn't have to be physical. There was an emotional war. Yeah. There was a war. Yeah, that's true. That's place. true. And it was for the planet of, you know, right. the apes. What do you guys think about uh, Woody Harrelson as the somewhat present villain he did i did not like him at all what? i thought i thought he was just terrible really yeah i didn't I, dig I, it either i was distracted by this his sunglasses why did he have those on and why were they half the time black and the other half the time they were blue what was that did he have different sunglasses sure and why was he wearing them at night when it was raining that is just not realistic bag. Yeah. Intimidation. I get that they tried to really push the, the macho military stereotype with him, but shaving his head, you know, while the, the troops hoorah. Wasn't he supposed to be like a skinhead kind of person? Yeah. Like that was sort of his character. He's like, I'm a yeah. skinhead, American flag. If, if that's what they wanted, then I'm okay with that. But I don't think Woody Harrelson was... There was a few moments where he was great. He had that long monologue where he was talking about the future of the planet and the future of the human race. That was was well delivered. And the cave scene with the waterfall, that was good. Yeah. But the rest of it where he's shaving his head and he's wearing sunglasses and he's, you know, looking down and his neck is looking all fat. (laughs) It was like, ah, Woody. Not great. I did take you could have fixed that neck for this movie. His fat neck a couple times. He seemed almost like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. He's I was like thinking Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse yeah. Now. Ape. Yeah, and then when that was that reference to Apocalypse Now, I thought, oh, that's a little on the nose, yeah. don't you think? But I liked it. And they just wrote history on the wall a few times. Yeah, history, history, history. Great. Yeah. He looks a lot like my dad <laughs> or my mom's husband, so I was really distracted by that. You were distracted by your the fact that the Woody Harrelson bears some passing resemblance to your mom's Not husband? even a passing resemblance, like a strong one. Is really? So it was is like it Woody really Harrelson? hard for me to believe. <laughs> <laughs> if your mom was no. married to Woody Harrelson and you didn't get his tickets to this. <laughs> She's not, but it's really weird. So I can't get past like, I'm kind of like, oh, it's Hank. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you know? like I thought for a second, is Hank a nickname for Woody <laughs> <laughs> is Woody a nickname Frank? It's like Richard and Dick. You know, they're not the same at all. Right. No. I feel like I've uh, I've been negative so far on this film. Can uh, you give some positive? I I'm, liked it. I'm I trying to I had a good force time. your positive thinking about another movie into Don, this one so that it feels like right. you've got better things to say. Yeah, I, I would say that Don is definitely the strongest of the trilogy. Uh, this is still a, a, a good movie, by all means. Matt Reeves still made a quality film, but it's just it was misleading, you know, just on title alone, but then looking back at posters and trailers, there's a, there's a poster that shows, uh, Caesar riding in on horseback with an army of apes following him ready to war with the humans. And that, that only happened in the first half of the film. The first half of the film was great. I was on board. That first, that 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 opening scene was great. Yeah. That, that That first scene where they're fighting out in the forest is fantastic. But then as soon as we meet the, comedic relief Billy Zahn Zane Billy Zane Steve, Steve Zahn Steve Zahn <laughs> not what Billy was the Zane. name no not Steve Billy Zahn. Zahn he went down with the boat Steve <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we met the Steve Zahn character it kind of spiraled into this weird uh, we're not really going to war anymore guys movie it's more emotional it's more dramatic yeah it's interesting the movie. Uh, all, all three movies are Caesar's movies and in all three movies, Caesar has a, as kind of a similar arc where he starts in one place and he has a lot taken from him. And then he's forced to grapple yeah. with the consequences of losing everything and then moving on as leader of apes. You know, in Rise, he loses his connection to the human world and is forced to become leader of apes. And That's Dawn, just it. They keep forcing his hand, yeah. Yeah. In Dawn, he loses his family of apes uh, because of Koba and is forced to, you know, become leader of apes once again 
And this movie, it seems like they really took him to a place of just ultimate, you know, and an, a new low where he's within an inch of his life watching his people suffer horrifically. After seeing his family get killed. After, yeah, seeing his family die and his and youngest his son motive, in captivity. Right? Yeah, and there's... Well, it was killing his family that motivated him. That That's what put him on this path. Well, he behaved recklessly. And Dawn, he still had... Uh, How did he behave recklessly? Well, in Dawn, Caesar's decisions are motivated by an intense concern for wisdom and consequence, you know, concern for consequences. He yeah, but he's he's at every chance he has, he's avo- trying to avoid conflict. You mean in Dawn or in this movie? Both. No, this one no, he goes this, after. He rushes into conflict yeah. without without he, staying to care for his people because he's he, consumed he, by vengeance. Right, but he rushes in because of. His, the his hand being forced the the situation forces him to behave causes him to behave the way he is sure but the the first whole part of that whole scene was him preparing to retreat and go hide somewhere else and like it is for Caesar's character to to avoid conflict by any means possible but then his family gets killed and that's what motivates his actions so every yeah. time every well, it's movie it's not fair to Caesar to say he's avoids conflict he avoids violent conflict. He doesn't Fair. like people to sure, get yes. killed. He's he's nonviolent by yeah. yeah, by as much as he can be. But there's something in every film that that has to affect him into behaving a certain way. Yeah. Pushing him into conflict, violent conflict. Yeah, but I think there's like a linchpin moment where he's up on the hilltop with Maurice and Rocket and the weird <laughs> the weird new chimp and the little girl. And he cannot give up. He he even says they have to pay, which is so outside of Caesar's character. In fact, Coba deli- or uh, Maurice delivers that really effective line. It says where he says, "Now you do sound like Coba," whereas just you know a few scenes back, he was uh, trying to help Caesar or Caesar forgive himself for uh, underestimating Coba's evil. And says something about, well, we couldn't have yeah. known how much darkness was in him. And then he says, now you actually sound like Koba yourself. Um, he did not like that. He kept seeing Koba. So we, we it was very clear that we mm-hmm. were seeing that internal conflict. And I liked that. I liked seeing Koba in the movie. That was like cool that he was haunted by him. Yeah, and he was like he's scary. He's all bloody and smiling at him and stuff. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> and he, he first visited, it was Ape, Don't Kill Ape, after mm-hmm. he... Smothered winter. Yeah, after he choked winter out, is that he just accidentally strangled him? Was yeah. that what happened? Suffocated him somehow? Yeah, that wasn't clear. I was like, did you snap his neck? No, if you were like, I was watching mouth. it, and when they're holding him still, you can see like he is grabbing him extra hard. Yeah. And like gritting his teeth. He's pretty angry. And then like he notices what he's doing and stops and then realizes he killed him. So it wasn't like an accident per se. He was like, winter was a real chomp. Winter came and went pretty quick. It was like, hey, we need to make this one like the albino one so we can tell people can yeah. tell that he's the traitor. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. obvious. Then we did. Yeah. It was neat when he had blood all over him. All apes look the same to us, huh? Yeah. The opening war montage or war sequence was, was pretty effective. It was, a, it was an intense way to start the movie. And then to have Caesar's entrance shot be from his point of view as he's walking through all this wreckage and despair and violence. Uh, and then when we finally connect with his eyes, which is the, you know, how Dawn opens with the shot on Caesar's eyes, they're already welling up with tears. He's so affected by all the pain. He's starting to get some gray him. hair too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do apes have tear ducts? No, but these are, you that's know, what Josiah said last time. Capable, emotional creatures. Oh, now. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're hyper intelligent now, but they also have tear ducts. Well, they're yeah. like evolved. It's like totally. Yeah, that's fine. But it they don't have genitals. <laughs> they don't have genitals, though. <laughs> Unless they need them. Well, they're probably hiding under the hair. <laughs> for for yeah. those of you who listened to the last episode, Josiah said that he, uh, he, he had some, some uh, <coughs> science, scientific facts ruin the films for him. When he realized that none of the apes have genitals, and he said, "Oh well, he's sure that they had to remove them all because it would have been too obscene." Yeah. Well, I don't know. They remove. I hope they didn't remove them. I hope they just didn't put them there in the first place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be a lot of work. Let's yeah. just try it. <laughs> put them in there and then take drew them, them in, and then erased them. 
<laughs> Although because uh, that's how they do it, they just flip the pencil. The, the female, the female apes seem to have different shaped bosoms. Yeah, yeah, they had like kind of proto breasts. <laughs> Lake, <laughs> Lake did, and Lake. so did uh, Caesar's wife and Dawn. Yeah, they were nursing. There was a mm-hmm. a suggestion of ape boobs. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> so that we can differentiate. It's the way the cartoon characters have like the shape of a bust, even though. It's like, does a mouse have breasts? No, but Gadget on Rescue Rangers, duh. You know, the feminine shape. How did we get here? Listen. We got to back up out of this. I spiral. think uh, Andy Serkis has developed the character of Caesar in such uh, subtle and like really effective ways from movie to movie to movie. Um, in Rise, you know, he's got this child, Caesar has this childlike quality that eventually um, he is forced into maturity, like Tyler was saying. And then Dawn, we meet him and he's like chief. He's uh, a wise figurehead, a patriarch over the apes. And this movie, he's like a little bit older. He speaks more than uh, he did in the previous movies. He's a little bit more uh, grizzled and worn. That's how we got there. Great yeah. hair and tear ducts. Man, mm-hmm. It was I, I gotta say his performances from movie to movie have been so impeccable and the uh so much communication is you know, the d- motion capture technology has come so far even in the span of this trilogy. But I'm excited to see some of that behind the scenes stuff as it as it's being doled out because I'm assuming that so much of Caesar's really uh, detailed, you know, like fa- facial performances and deliveries and his emotions whether that's uh you know 90% Andy Circus and 10% Weta or you know some different kind of combination whoever's to thank for that this is really effective a lot a lot going on especially in the exchange that happens between the colonel and Caesar during the decision of whether or not to kill the you know devolving colonel yeah where Caesar, Caesar's grappling with what he described as the the hate that he could not escape. It was really effective. Really strong performance with no words, no dialogue in that scene. Yeah, I think Andy Serkis's face must be so sore after shooting this movie because Caesar is sneering a lot. <laughs> That's like his look. I think he's phenomenal. I think Andy Serkis, I was thinking the same thing during the movie. I was like, he's just like, I don't know how much of this is whatever I'm looking at. I don't actually know when it comes to these movies, but I was like, he's just awesome. He just like, he was flawless. I did think that. And I thought, man, he needs to win an award. Yeah, give him the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Give it to him. Digital makeup, he calls it. I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and I did, not, I thought the same thing about his evolution of his character. I'm like, man, he's like taking us to places in his like small sentences. He's taken us and his expressions and his all of that. Such a great performance. It really is, which makes, uh, you know, I did see a couple of headlines about the future of the franchise. Uh, this movie's making money, so they're thinking, oh, we'll probably continue with it. Matt Reeves is saying, yeah, if they had, if they had me, I've got ideas for more. Um, but what is, what is this saga without Caesar? Uh, Cornelius. Yeah, I guess Cornelius is the obvious one. To me, I didn't feel like we needed to see him die at the end. I mean, it was like an obvious thing. It's like in the trilogy, in his story, because they're all his movies. But I didn't think that was really necessary. What? I thought that that was, that was like the Logan moment. He needed to die. I thought the Logan moment was good. And, I mean, it wasn't a bad performance. He died with, with grace. But <laughs> yeah, he, he fell very slowly. He fell very slowly. It was intense, though. It was. It was very emotional. Yeah, I just felt like it could have been... I didn't think he needed to. And the movie could have been just as strong if he lived, I well, think. Well, I bet he'll be back in the form of flashbacks or dreams or I don't know. I can't imagine that he won't be in if they do another film. They're like, okay, the new the new lead ape is this other ape called such and such. And we got Andy Serkis to play it. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be just as good. The uh, Yeah, there's like this... I was thinking, oh, dang, he got shot with that arrow. That must be pretty painful. And then I'm like, wow, they go on quite a trip. Because, you know, in the beginning, Rocket and Caesar's son are like, oh, it was such a long journey. It took us a long time to get back. I'm like, is that arrow just in there? 
Yeah. I was thinking, surely they cleaned his wound. And then like I thought they have all the access to. Do yeah, that. now uh, I mean they've they've dealt with injuries before. I know they don't have like sophisticated medicines or anything. But then it, they finally get there, and he's like, "Oh, I'm dying." I was like, "Oh, okay." So they didn't fix it. And then I'm going, "Caesar, wh- why why don't you just say early on?" So before we get on our horses, I've got this thing going on, but I put it together in my head. I'm thinking maybe he felt like a sense of like mortal injury. And he's like, I don't want to slow anything down or impede anything. I just have to get them. You know, he's like Moses. He's just got to get them through the desert to the promised land. Yeah. And then uh, he can stop and sit down and address the fact that he's going to fall. They seem to make the apes far more fragile in this film compared to the last. Yeah, because even that gorilla who got stabbed by that a little bayonet thing yeah. is like, oh, oh man, that was too much for me. <laughs> Take him up the hill so he can die. <laughs> Maybe it was a really deep. It just Damn happened to good. get him just right. Yeah, I felt like in Rise they were shooting those gorillas up and they just kept going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know they're surviving bear attacks and crap. And on. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what because uh, immediately out of the theater, Abby's asking me like. Uh, is it your favorite? And I said, no, I don't think so. I'd have to watch it some more. Um, and she's like, well, what what was against it? I'm like, not nothing to me. I I really liked it from start to finish. But I felt like it's when I saw it, for me personally, when I saw Dawn, it was almost like this magic transport. I was like transported to this. You know, it was like the highest class of genre filmmaking. This and this was great. It was so cool to see more of that story, but it did not have that same like magic start to finish thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it really is uh, the closest analogy or comparison I can think of is the one Patrick mentioned the dark between the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. I know people take issue with the third movie, but I happen to like the Dark Knight Rises quite a bit. Really enjoyed it in the movie. You know, I've watched it a bunch since then. But there's just something about the Dark Knight, there's some obvious things that uh, make that one stand out. Right, and there's no more. way The Dark Knight Rises, or in this case, War, could live up to uh, Dawn because it was Dawn was just so great. So that it had well, it going against yes, it. it. Tyler thinks if they just were blasting each other with machine guns the whole time, it would be yeah. better. <laughs> it would have been better. He sat down in the theater, he popped up in a monster... <laughs> He, he turned did. his hat around him. backward and he said, let's see these guys fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly he said, let's right. see these monkeys fight. <laughs> that's how it played out. <laughs> uh, Don is definitely a better film. And I think that a lot of it has to do with Don's attention to detail. It's far more plausible. The, uh, the plot points along the way make a lot more sense. There's just too many things in War for the Planet of the Apes that just felt inconsistent. Like, uh, like, um, <clears throat> like, for example, the apes were more frail and fragile this time around than they were in Dawn, and they're facing a stronger enemy in war. But the enemy even seems to be inconsistent. Where are like are they precision military? Are they uh, are these guys the the real deal or not? Because they've got apes just following them down the beach, and they don't ever look over their shoulder and say, "Oh, we've got a tail back yeah, here." They, they're following pretty close. And Shout then, out uh, to uh, Peter. He was sitting beside me in the theater. Peter is the worst, Peter. And right. he, he, when they were following him down the beach, he leaned over and said, it's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> if they turn around, they're going to see those guys. Right. So there I, was I a, laughed. There was a lot of tactical engagements between the apes and the Woody Harrelson's militia where it just was inconsistent. It's like the... These guys are spying from behind a rock and they're getting caught, but they're riding, they're following them down the beach on horseback and they're not noticing them. Or they're, they're riding their horses right into some deserted town where there's a fire going and they just, just roll right in without, without doing any surveillance. There's just a lot of weird moments like that where like, can we just get this straight? How is this girl just walking around inside of their base without anybody noticing? How are there baby apes crawling on telephone wires above their heads as they're patrolling and not noticing? How how often are we going <laughs> to see apes crawling around and sneaking around and not be noticed? And other times they are. It just didn't. It was inconsistent. It was yeah, weird. It's I'll, like, give, I'll give you some of those. The things overhead, I can let that slide because people often don't look up. It's like a, a recognized phenomenon. I was a little 
confused as to like, is there is everyone on break when the girl was walking around? Well, I think my interpretation of that is they, she's not an ape, so it was less noticeable. She's but, a mean, little girl. Well, yeah, there are no really. children there. She had a there. big coat on and maybe um, yeah could have been anyone. That, those things, I, I'll give them to you now. In the moment, the only one that actually made me... St- it didn't take me out of the movie, but that made me go, huh, was when they were riding their horses right behind the brigade because I was yeah. like, it did occur to me in that moment. Oh, they better hope no one happens to turn around <laughs> for a second. Look in the rearview mirror. Because <laughs> there's the apes trailing you right there. <laughs> yeah, it kind of felt like they, right there. Yeah. they traded some of... like They compromised some of that to have a heavier hand in like the political commentary and there was even like a lot of religious metaphors throughout it that I thought were cool but they felt heavy handed at times like maybe even too much so at times because the other ones I thought had a lot of like commentary about things but it didn't feel too heavy handed <laughs> it just made you <laughs> think. think you know things you know what, what, else, else, would comments? what else would there be a commentary about <laughs> Like building a wall, is that what you're talking about? Well, it was just, there was a lot. There was like the building the wall, and then they would play the, or they playing the, the anthem, or they play the Star Spangled Banner while the slave work was going on, and then they had the Caesar hanging from the burning flag, and right. And it, all that stuff was cool, but it was, it just felt like a lot at times. So the, the two metaphors I heard coming out of it was one, it was just, it was the story of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Moses leading his Moses. people out of that's I, Egypt. That's what I read. The yeah. other one was what? That this is a it's commentary on the Exodus, Trump administration. They've got this yeah. building a wall. and They got foreigners he building a wall. He would rather kill himself than be a lesser human. Right. Yeah. He's, afraid, yeah, he's afraid of people coming in and ruining society. I'm saying really the wall is not going to save you. But huh? he would be... That he would turn into one of those people. Maybe yeah, that was the, obvious. I didn't see it. The the work that was done in this movie to connect it to the original Planet of the Apes was actually kind of interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that we were still committed to that premise. Yeah, I didn't either. Because at this point, the trilogy, it seems to me, could be self sufficient with without any regard to wish, the original Planet of were. the Apes film. But I don't know that any of these connections hurt it at all. In fact, there were a lot of visual cues. You know the. The little crosses that they hung the apes on were references to the original movie, which and even the the promised land that the apes wind up in, the reference or when they first describe it with by showing the sand and the desert, you realize like, oh, yeah. that's where the that's it. apes are in the original Planet of the Apes. And the the line I'm sure someone's gonna disagree with me on this, but when he says the name of the movie in his, you know, a villainous monologue, I actually thought that that was kind of cool and effective. I thought it was fine in the monologue. Going back and watching the trailer just before he did this, I thought that was it was silly in the trailer. I was like, oh, you don't have to put that in the trailer. That seems weird. Mm. It's gonna be a Planet of the Apes. <laughs> so well, to be fair, he says of apes. Did you did you guys notice that my my theory about the apes? the intelligence spreading to more apes was correct. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't yeah, you, good. and didn't you say based on the fact that if the fire or someone right. said the virus is airborne, so it stands to reason. Yeah. That's what I said. There'd be humans sneezing blood on apes. <laughs> no, that as humans were affected by the virus and killed, that apes would be infected and made intelligent. And that's what was, that's what was said with the ape they met up at the ski yeah. resort. But I, I just hoped I, I hoped that when they said that, that uh, it meant Caesar was going to somehow rally more apes to come fight. But we never saw any more apes. Just they, the, yeah, there's the, there's an implication that that could be in, on the horizon for. Yeah, that'd be cool. I I thought that the, the the way they tied that up in some really short, simple lines was really well done. That they had him say like humans got sick and apes got smart and you're. That's all you need to know. They're like, oh, I get it. Right. Yeah, and that was so good because those are the loose ends you would need to have at the end of this movie. There's like some unanswered questions, and that was the big one. It's like, what about all the other apes? My question is now, so the, the, the disease, the virus has mutated, and now it's devolving humans to ape-like. You know, Primitive. Yeah, it kept primitive. saying primitive-like. So uh, it, that didn't seem... Super consistent because I thought it would be spreading like the plague within the camp, but just like random people were getting it. I guess the colonel got it because he was talking to Caesar so much, but no, the other guys no. didn't get it. It was, it was that doll. girl's doll. 
The girl's doll. Yeah, that's good. They even gave okay. us a Caesar saw the doll with the blood on it when we saw the doll with the blood on it when he picked it up. Yeah, and that's then good. Caesar saw it. That was actually a nice little. Yeah. So joke. are we? I, I thought good. that was a cool idea. Are we assuming that that's going to take out the rest of the humans in the no, world? No, that avalanche well, did. <laughs> Well, the, all the people from Dawn, all it's the civilians going, escaped somewhere. It's going to get the humans to the point where they are in the original Planet of the Apes movie. Where so they, that's he describes the original movie and says, we're going to be like your cattle. Yeah. It's like, that's how that movie opens. Yeah. Okay. I had that question. Which that's is also just a bizarre thing to think about because, uh, you know, and the whole trilogy or prequel trilogy, the apes are the heroes of the story. There are bridge... They're the characters that we connect with. Um, but in the original Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston's character is the is the bridge character. We connect with him, and the apes are villainous, except for you know, Cornelius, who's the pacifist and thinks the humans should be treated ethically. And even he, you're kind of like, yeah, but he's not doing enough. Right. These apes really suck. Get yeah, a, they're all impressed that uh, Charlton, Charlton Heston, Heston can, can talk. talk yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can sing. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was saying about uh, Rise and Dawn. Well, at least with Rise is that you're, you're caught in this tension of who who do you really root for? The The humans are obviously awful people. Well, some of them are awful people. But then, it's like, wh- wh- do we really want the apes to win? Yeah, because yeah, we know what's coming. <laughs> Dawn was doing a better setup to get us to Planet of the Apes in by that way, because if Koba's faction had survived it could easily be believable that that would be the you know the ape society that we find in planet of the apes but they don't or at least they don't survive to the degree that they they are in planet of the apes and you know but it is implied that some of koba's leftover disciples now hang around with the humans not the implied it we just they just straight up tell us that the donkeys yeah i like the idea that the disease is spreading airborne because then it takes the the weight of Caesar's creation off of his shoulders. It's not like he did everything. If he wouldn't have done this, there would be no sentient apes. That was coming one way or the other. I like well, that. It's, it's, surely Caesar can't be blamed for anything. No, I'm not saying he blamed, but I'm saying that'd be an interesting plot point for him. Like he created all these uh, smart apes. So you're saying that the, the apes that Caesar was in direct contact with, either he trained them he he exposed them to that fog yeah trained them or they were they were birthed from the apes that he trained right no. and so all the the intelligent apes are in caesar's tribe right but this proves this proves that it's a f- much larger scope right it, it wasn't on it was going to happen one way or the other it would i wonder what he was thinking because at this point he's thinking if he did all this because he like stabbed the thing but he's, uh, he's By still at the, the Genesis. Thing you mean release the airborne virus. Yeah, the fog and, and the fog in the sanctuary. The yeah. But he's still at the, the origin epicenter of all this because of his work with James Franco. That's true. Thanks, James. Let us never forget that at the beginning of this franchise, it's James Franco. It's weird to think now. Genius. Bethany, what do you think of James Franco? No. Mm-mm, I don't like him. But I won beef with the movie. It's not a big one. Good. But was the um, the words in the beginning? The little recap? Yeah, that was dumb. That was so dumb. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, rise. And then at the dawn. <laughs> oh, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind the part that you're describing, but I did think this, I, I bet any, or I, I suspect that that was a studio note. That someone's worried, like, you got to tell them what happened in the other movies. So they're like, fine, just put it on the screen in a monologue. Yeah. Cause but then it, then it ended to with like a title stick screen. Stick out the words. Yeah, I thought that was. Yeah, <laughs> like, you could have just explained it. We all know that there, it's a triple or whatever it's called. A triple. A triple. Tyler a triple. was laughing. Yeah, Every I thought it was dumb. Every time it happened, yeah. he'd be like, rise, and he'd be like, <laughs> Yeah, those opening <laughs> notes were so lame. It was. That was my one complaint. But you know what wasn't lame? What? How real these freaking apes look on this screen. No, that's incredible. Real freaking apes. I think they look amazing. Yeah, there was uh there was one moment when uh Maurice, the orangutan, leaned in to that girl who was laying in the bed and then he just it was just his face blinking and looking intently at her. And I thought to myself, that looks amazing. 
And they're just they're just showing off now. <laughs> yeah. So well, look yeah, what we can do. Like, let's make yeah. this shot last longer. L- let's let's really draw this out so we can show how well <laughs> we can recreate yeah. these. Look apes. at all that hair. So much of the I mean, it's not just the, the the apes themselves are photorealistic, but the way that they're able to interact with the environments and the lighting on the apes is just like the there's a scene where the eccentric comedic relief chimp is coming up out of the hole in the ground. Uh, in the camp and the it's like dark with the spotlight going over his bald head and everything. And it was so utterly seamless. There's nothing that indicated to you where the effect ended (laughs) and began. It was like the lighting was convincing the shape and it felt like something that you could actually put your hand out and touch because uh, up till now, or, you know, with a few exceptions, I feel like even fantastic CG, your brain knows it's CG without you like knowing because that thing can't possibly exist. It's not just that, you know, Optimus Prime is CG because there is no Optimus Prime. You're also like, and also I know that that's just not real, even if it looks pretty neat CG wise. But this was like, if someone told you actually that one shot, we were doing a trick and that's an animatronic puppet and it's on the set. Right. You'd be like, Oh, okay, cool. Cause it looked like like, it was really there. She kept the, the mute girl kept uh petting them mm-hmm. that's what kept sticking out to me is like when the gorilla died and he was she was petting him and then when she was giving caesar water and was petting his head it's like her hand was going it was so crazy because yeah. you know when they're filming it she's just waving her hand around yeah <laughs> there's i honestly thought that to myself when that that weird ape was sticking his head up out of the ground and there was other apes looking at him i thought are these animatronic did they did they use animatronic on on set did they cheat did yeah, and, and, and if someone told you, no, those were really there, you'd be like, okay, because it looked like something was really there. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. Now this is going to become the standard that in future podcasts, when something's not good, we're going to be like, Apes. you mean to tell me <laughs> <laughs> you can make a photorealistic orangutan look in a mute girl's face, but you can't make this dinosaur look more convincing? <laughs> but just like the other apes films, these apes... They looked amazing up close when you're looking at them right in the eye, but everything else kind of was not great. That avalanche, you know, wasn't... Some of those explosions were... No, no, I didn't have to take an issue with the explosions or avalanche. <laughs> you don't like speaking, avalanche? Speaking of... No, it, was, no it, was, it looked bad. Speaking of explosions... <laughs> that was fine. That was fine. Can we, can we ask... So he, he blew up one tank... And that and that was like, oh yeah, he, he he got those guys up on that walkway, and then another tank blew up, and then all of a sudden everything just blew up. How did everything just blow up all of a sudden? How did that building across the courtyard also just explode? There was a leak, in oh. the, in the gas, and it went all over the oh, whole the gas compound. Leak. Okay. Duh. Right. And how come Woody Harrelson? Was up in that building all by himself, and they're like knocking on the door, saying, "Hey, man, could you come out?" It was like, because he, he was mute, caught he was it, embarrassed. Man. How come he had he the whole was, building to drunk. himself? He was like a dictator. He was like a Hitler figure. Yeah, he okay. couldn't show any weakness. Now, how, how in the world? How in the world? How in the world <laughs> did that poor horse carry that giant gorilla around? That's the best question you've asked yet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that guy had to be screaming true. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand uh, the gorilla donkey that had the change where he turned around and, and shot the bad guy for Caesar with the grenade launcher. I was like, okay, I'm glad you had a nice character change. You could have got there quicker and saved the, sure. the guy's life. Been nice, yeah. But this, you know, and there's also this guy supposed to be the sharpshooter. It's like, what? Why didn't you shoot him better? I was he was going to knock it out. I thought the gorilla thing was going to knock I know. I thought he could have done more. It's like shoot the guy and then turn around and shoot the tank. Uh Caesar's obviously trying to blow up. Or like stop the guy with the machine gun shooting all the other. No, see, I think you guys are overlooking some actually some nice writing that was taking place in that scene. Because it, it deviated from predictability in some pretty nice ways. You could see from the moment that the gorilla donkey was eyeing the scene uncomfortably we're like oh he's he's going to have some kind right. of development yeah. of his when character the, when the apes were caught in the middle of that crossfire and they decided to just start running back and forth yeah the two rocks yeah it's like so. what you, could you just stay stay in one place stop running <laughs> around but <laughs> if you think prior to that scene there's this bit of exchange that he has with caesar where caesar has this leaves him with this line you know like how much of you is left 
That was good. To save. Yeah. That was a good moment. So we're, you know, you have to remember that those words are sticking with, with him. And uh, he, even if he is one of Koba's disciples, he at some point was under Caesar's leadership. So he's been affected by this guy to some degree. And this is Caesar that tells him that. He goes back to work, but then he's watching this thing unravel all around him. He doesn't have like a, never mind, I'm going to flip. I'll start knocking everyone off the wall and I'll save the day and I'll do that. He just like has this moment where he can't do the thing that he's supposed to do and he does something else. And he doesn't have the time to like confront the consequences of what that might be. He's just sitting there looking at it. And then the guy blows his head off. And then the in that same moment, the you know the crossbow-wielding guy from the beginning who the movie was kind of misdirecting us to think maybe he was going to have some kind of change of heart. So he was often looking distraught or looking off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who comes through to shoot Caesar. He's not the one yeah. who... Uh, so it's uh, like the movie was kind of converging several... De- or two simultaneously developed bad guys. One you thought might have a change of heart. One that you thought wouldn't. And then one does, but not in a predictable way. And the other doesn't, and not in a predictable way. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was, I just, watching it, I was just like, you know, do more, help him. You know, they're, they're going to, Oh, they can't die. hear you, though. That's, I know, it's that that frustrating. Not real, it, it, already, it already been filmed. They already made See, all the See, here's the thing. You probably thought that those were real apes because they're so convincing. They're not right. at all. It's people in gray what pajamas. <laughs> What if it's probably easier to train an ape to act than it is to do a Teach him to talk. The studio the has gas. all those poor apes enslaved to be in movies. You know, cinematography-wise, they used a, uh, they kept cha- doing the depth of field thing where you couldn't see what was happening, and then they would focus in and show you as like a storytelling device. They did that really well. There were so many times I was like, focus, what's happening, what's happening? And then it would like, and it would be kind of unexpected or like take you somewhere else. The cinematography cool. in general was really really nice yeah and uh michael giacchino's score who scored dawn of the planet of the apes was really really well done Mm -hmm. i thought the score was kind of weird when they're finally plotting their escape when they're sneaking around inside the compound and the score got kind of plucky and (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about i don't know about this moment i don't know how to i don't know how this music's supposed to make me feel it was it he had some super dramatic cues especially in that like long sequence where the colonel and caesar are seeing one another for the first time inside the uh you know the ape base and it was like gong 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 yeah. gong it was mm. intense really lots nice of war drums nicely done it was an intense score cuz there was like i said there's a lot of those swells in music and emotion throughout the film with caesar looking angry or looking just totally sad. <laughs> yeah, he's sad. Uh, I just feel like some of those moments just didn't really deliver. I'm sick of you raining on this parade, Tyler. Yeah, well, it's just because the other films, like whenever that would happen, he would be they gearing would up to go do something. Yeah. Like, he'd shout, action. It would be he'd the shout his first shot. word. Yeah. The this one was like, he got all riled up and then he had an emotional breakthrough. It's like, yeah, it's but getting I all... I think that that's what maturity does to you. No, anyway. and it's fine. It was just unexpected. It's well, kind of like, uh, for me, it's a lot like The Hateful Eight. Remember when we saw The Hateful Eight? I didn't see it. Oh, uh, well, I liked it, but it was so much what I didn't expect. It took. It was a hard thing for me to process. I was like, I liked it, but it was so much what I didn't expect, I can't really uh, appreciate it fully mm-hmm. right afterwards. I feel like that now. Do you have a comment on maturity, Bethany? I was just going to say, when you get older, just like he, it's part of his progression, his character progression. He's getting older and he's having more emotional breakthroughs. There were a lot of moments I was like tearing up. Like I was feeling like, oh, I'm choked here. Like, because it was so beautiful or so sweet or whatever. And I was thinking, they're doing this because it's more than just about us having moments. It's about us saying goodbye to him. You know, at the end, we realize he's like dying. It's like, oh, this whole time we're going through these emotional breakthroughs with him because he has to die at the end. You know, so I thought it was like, if that was part of the writing plan, I felt like it was very good that way. I, I do get the prisoner of war thing, but I also thought I wasn't mad about the, it being more emotional and less like, you know, when you're young, you're like, yeah, let's just go blah, kill some, whatever, kill people. I'm okay with the emotion. I appreciated the emotion. I appreciated the emotion. I thought that the father aspect of it, the like. I thought, man, I bet all the dudes in here are feeling stuff. That's what I was thinking because I was thinking 
it's so like what would happen when you lose your family what happens when you know like all those man things well yeah you're gonna f- feel pretty emotional when you realize that your family's been gunned down in their sleep right. yeah that's but bound i just that's mean like you know he's too. like motivated every movie we see is like motivated like a man it's like the humanity part of him and in leading into up to his death we get to see more and more of his humanity what draws us what connects us to one another it's all about that like circle of life crap so <laughs> all that crap that's like sort of what we're seeing and feeling in the movie, yeah which i think is is good writing i do i think i agree that w- those were the themes of the last two the first one was humanity in apes even ape rights in a lot of ways and then the mm-hmm. the beast primitiveness of men um and then in dawn they blurred those lines even more showing that each side has good and bad and then in this one it's like they just they they totally reverse roles there's that they go even further in that transition of reversing roles and now that caesar is dead and the most anticipated movie of 2017 is gone what do we have to look forward to i want to see the next one I feel like I'm excited about to see what they're going to do, if they'll do it. With Cornelius? Yeah. I really think, I feel like interested now. I kind of want to go back and watch the Planet of the Apes, the old ones. I watched like parts of them with my dad. So the only reason I knew that, and whatever. If everyone agrees to it, I'll do the marathon again. How many Uh, are there? Five. Six, if you do the Mm. Tim Burton one. I don't think so. It's so bad. But only one of those is good. Well, I just need to see at least one because then I'm like, oh, cool. I, I don't know what happens. I didn't know humans were de-evolving. And yeah, the first I don't good. think I knew all that. So I feel like, oh, I'm interested. Okay, but that's like four years at the very least. What can um, we look forward to before that? Uh, Spider-Man. But we already saw that mm-hmm, Spider-Man. I remember. I just wanted everyone who listens to hear that. Mm. We I'm went excited saw for Spider-Man. Uh, Bethany couldn't go. That's the backstory. Yeah, I'm excited for Matt Reeves to do Batman now, because okay. these these two movies you've seen so much uh, different filmmaking, like you know the big action movie and then the less action movie, more emotional story. What's he gonna do with Batman? I think it stands to be the best Batman movie. It's got all the cards stacked up to be the best Batman movie. Who's so Batman? Ben Affleck, the oh. best Batman. Mm. With Matt Reeves, the best director. To helm a Batman movie. You really think Ben Affleck's better than Christian Bale? For sure. You're saying that Matt Reeves is better than Christopher Nolan? Uh, I think for this type of movie, for like genre filmmaking, yes, he's he's better, a better choice to make a Batman movie. You know what I'm looking forward to? Father of the Bride 3. (laughs) What's happening? Good night. It's happening. Thanks for listening to You Hate Movies. <laughs> Did you think the movie was great? Tell your friends to watch the movie and to listen to our podcast and to buy our t-shirts and to send us money and cookies. <laughs> <laughs>